Let us pray. <clears throat> Heavenly Father, we do look forward to that time when we shall see You face to face in all Your glory, in all of our sins, will be washed away. We know that judicially they are washed away by the blood of the Lord. But in ourselves, we cry with the Apostle Paul, when I would do good, evil is present with me. O oh, wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from this body of death? But ah, he did not stop there, but he thanked you for the redeeming work of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we testify with Paul that that too is our only hope our only salvation is in the person and in the work of the Lord Jesus Christ. We pray that you would bless us now as we continue in our study. In Jesus' name, Amen. Well, hopefully I won't do this afternoon what I did this morning and repeat <laughs> uh, the study that we did uh, previously, but that uh, just goes to show. I kept thinking that when I was preaching this morning, I, well, I thought I'd already covered some of this, but uh, and I'd forgotten. I just got uh, lost in my outline. But that shows that without the Lord, we can't do anything right. So uh, anyway, we continue studying the life of the Apostle John. And we uh, have basically covered uh, his life up until and uh, in part with uh, his life as uh, an apostle and a disciple of the Lord. The next point that I want to take up is that we look at the intimacy with Jesus. In other words, John was one of the inner circles of the disciples of the Lord. And we'll look at several things regarding that as well as some other observations as we go along. But his intimacy with Jesus is seen uh, in many ways, but we see at the outset of him being with Jesus when Jairus's daughter was healed. Turn with me to Mark chapter 5. Mark chapter 5. First of all, we'll look at verse 22 and 23. And behold, there cometh one of the rulers of the synagogue, Jairus by name. And when he saw him, he fell at his feet and besought him greatly, saying, My little daughter lieth at the point of death. I pray thee, come and lay thy hands on her, that she may be healed and she shall live. Dropping down to verse 35, because what took place in between there was uh, another healing. But in verse 35, we come back to Jairus, his daughter. While he yet spake, there came from the ruler of the synagogue's house certain which said, 
thy daughter is dead. Why troubleth thou the master any further? As Jesus, as soon as Jesus heard the word that was spoken, he saith unto the ruler of the synagogue, Be not afraid, only believe. And he suffered no man to follow him, save Peter and James and John, the brother of James. So when Jesus went to raise Jairus' daughter from the dead, he only allowed three of the disciples to go with him, and one of them was John. Now turn to Luke chapter 9. Well, while we're in Mark, let's look at Mark 9. In verse 2. And after six days, Jesus taketh with him Peter and James and John, and leadeth them up into an high mountain apart by themselves, and he was transfigured before them. Now, in Luke chapter 9, we see again the intimacy. Verse 28. Luke 9, 28, And it came to pass about an eighth day after these sayings, he took Peter, (coughs) excuse me, took Peter and John and James and went up into a mountain to pray. And I want to keep reading here. And as he prayed, the fashion of his countenance was altered, and his raiment was white and glistering. And behold, there talked with him two men, which were Moses and Elias, who appeared in glory, and spake of his decease, which he should accomplish at Jerusalem. And Peter and they that were with him were heavy with sleep. And when they were awake, they saw his glory and the two men that stood with him. And it came to pass as they departed from him, Peter said unto Jesus, Master, it is good for us to be here and let us make three tabernacles, one for thee and one for Moses and one for Elias, not knowing what he said. While he thus spake, there came a cloud and overshadowed them, and they feared as they entered into the cloud. And there came a voice out of the cloud saying, This is my beloved Son, hear him. And when the voice was passed, Jesus was found alone, and they kept it close and laid no man, uh, and told no man in those days of those things which they had seen. Now notice here, John was one of the three again. One of the intimate three. I also uh, bring to your attention that they went to sleep. And if you will remember that later on, and we'll probably uh, make reference to this in just a moment, When he went into the garden of Gethsemane, who did he take? Peter, James, and John. And what did they do? They went to sleep again. They went to sleep again. But you can see that at this transfiguration, Peter, James, John, Moses, Elijah, and the Lord. And the Lord and Moses and Elijah were in their glorified form. Notice that it said, 
And behold, there talked with him two men, which were Moses and Elijah, who appeared in glory. And they spake of his decease. And I pointed this out many times before. And uh, like a good teacher, it's always good to remind folks that this word decease is the Greek word exodus. It's where the, the Bible Exodus comes from. And what, what do you think about when you think about the Exodus? You think about the children of Israel coming out of Egyptian bondage. And Moses and Elijah were talking about the Lord bringing the elect, the people for whom He was going to die, out of bondage of sin. They were talking about His decease, His death, His exodus that He should accomplish at Jerusalem. It was more than just His death, but it was what was accomplished by His death. And then I believe that even though the Scriptures say that Peter really didn't know what he was talking about, When Peter said, Lord, it's good for us to be here. Let us build three tabernacles. One for thee, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. What do you have in mind when you think about the tabernacle? You remember back in the Old Testament, there were three, there were seven feasts that the children of Israel uh, took part in. In the first month, they had the Feast of Unleavened Bread, the Feast of Passover, and the Feast of First Fruits. Those, all, those three feasts took place in, within one week, generally. Fifty days after the Feast of First Fruits was Pentecost. And then in the tenth month, you had the Feast of Trumpets, the Feast of Atonement, and the Feast of Tabernacles. And so, you you remember that those three times of the year, the first month, 50 days later, Pentecost, and then the tenth month, those three times of the year, all the men were to go to Jerusalem. But you you see that in that uh, last three feasts, you had the Feast of Trumpets. And then you had the Feast of Atonement. You had the trumpet. You had the satisfaction of sin. And then you had the Feast of Tabernacles when for a week they were to dwell in booths. In other words, it was symbolic of the fact that our high priest has come to dwell with us forever. Peter thought the Feast of Tabernacles had been fulfilled by the fact that Jesus and Moses and Elijah were in their glorified form. Peter thought glory had come. Well, he was just... Uh, he was. His timing was off. He had the, as we would say uh, as a boy, he had the right string but the wrong yo-yo. Uh, he, he really wasn't, uh, he didn't know the full import of all that he was saying, but Peter thought that this Feast of Tabernacle had been fulfilled and here was the glory world coming on the scene. But that wasn't, the case. That wasn't the case. But the point that we want to make here <clears throat> is simply this. Regarding the life of John, he was intimacy or he was in, with the inner circle with Jesus. Peter, James, and John went with him to when he raised uh, Jairus' daughter. They were with Him on the Mount of Transfiguration. 
Now turn to Mark chapter 13. Mark chapter 13. Here again we see the involvement of John. Mark chapter 13. We'll read the first four verses. And as he went out of the temple, one of his disciples said unto him, Master, we see what manner of stones and what building are here. Jesus answering said unto them, Seeth thou these great buildings? There shall not be left one stone upon another that shall not be thrown down. And as he sat upon the Mount of Olives over against the temple, Peter and James and John and Andrew asked him privately. Here's these four uh, cousins. These four men that were in the fishing industry together. And they said, Tell us when shall these things be? And what shall be the sign when all these things shall be fulfilled? You say, well, what's so, uh, what's so significant about that? Well, Matthew in chapter 24, verse 3, only says disciples. In Luke chapter 21, it says, Some spake and they asked. But in Mark, it tells us who it was. Peter, James, John, and Andrew. These were the ones that asked Him. These were the ones that asked Him regarding the end of the world, the destruction of the temple, and other things. Again, in Mark chapter 14, we made mention of this a few moments ago, but we'll give you one of the Scriptures. The other is Matthew 26, 37. But in Mark chapter 14, in verse 33, well, let's go to verse uh, 32. And they came to a place which was named Gethsemane. And he saith unto his disciples, Sit ye here while I shall pray. And he taketh with him Peter and James and John and began to be sore amazed, and to be very heavy. And he saith unto them, My soul is exceeding sorrowful unto death. Tarry ye here, and watch. And he went forward a little, and fell on the ground, and prayed that if it were possible, the hour might pass from him. And he saith, Abba, Father, all things are possible unto thee. Take away this cup from me. Nevertheless, not I will, not what I will, but what thou wilt. And he cometh and findeth them sleeping, Peter, James, and John. But he said to Peter, Sleepest thou? Couldst not thou watch one hour? And we know that he did this three times. But imagine this, that you are with a group of individuals. Let's just say, for example, that we had a large congregation here. And we all went out to meet somewhere. And for some occasion, and then I select three people out of the congregation so I want you to go with me. Well, this is our Lord's last night. And He selected one of the men, John, to watch with Him in this hour of trial. And not only Peter, not only James, but John too went to sleep. The Spirit was willing, 
But the flesh was weak. The flesh was weak. But he was asked. Out of the other twelve, only these three. And if there were uh, hundreds of people, we don't know how many there might have been. Most likely it was close to twelve. Maybe fourteen at the least. You say, why that? Well, you remember in Acts chapter 1 when they were selecting one to take the place of Judas? They selected two. And what was one of the qualifications? They had to have accompanied Jesus throughout His ministry beginning from the baptism of John. So when the twelve were spoken of, I believe there was at least two more around. And we know that the women followed them. You remember this morning when James and John wanted the Lord to let one of them sit on the right hand of His kingdom and the other on the other? We know that their mother was around. There were the other women that followed them according to Scripture. So let's just say, just for uh, the sake of argument, give a real, real conservative figure. Let's say there was only uh, 24 to maybe uh, 30 people around. But he only selected three. Favoritism? No, not favoritism. They had a place that others did not have. But it was a place of intimacy with our Lord. And what is it that these three men had that none of the others had except one? What did Andrew had it? But what is it that these three men and Andrew had? that none of the other disciples or apostles, as far as we know, had. They were cousins of the Lord. They were cousins of the Lord. In this day and age when everybody's supposed to be equal and identical, this society wouldn't know how to, how to interpret that, would they? But Jesus had His selected three. Peter, James, and John. John also was one of those that were selected to go and prepare where Jesus would have the Last Supper. We see this in Luke Chapter 22. There's a lot said about John, isn't it? Luke chapter 22, beginning at verse 7. And when the day of unleavened bread... Then came the day of unleavened bread, when the Passover must be killed. Now this be on the 14th, the beginning of the 14th. And he sent Peter and John, saying, Go and prepare us the Passover that we may eat. And they said unto him, Where wilt thou that we pre prepare? And he said unto them, Behold, when ye are entered into the city, there shall a man meet you bearing a pitcher of water. Follow him into the house where he entered in. And ye shall say to the goodman of the house, The master saith unto thee, Where is the guest chamber where I shall eat the Passover with my disciples? And he shall show you there a large uh, up, uh, uh, a large upper room furnished there make ready. And they went 
who's today Peter and John, and found as he had said unto them, and they made ready the Passover. And when the hour was come, he sat down and the twelve apostles with him. So here again we see that the Lord selected John to be involved in something that he didn't select others. We also find that John was the one that reclined on the Savior's breast. Look at John 13. John 13. Verse 21. When Jesus had thus said, He was troubled in spirit and testified and said, Verily, verily, I say unto you that one of you shall betray me. Then the disciples looked one on another, doubting of whom he spake. Now there was leaning on Jesus' bosom one of his disciples whom Jesus loved. Can you picture that? Twelve at least. Maybe more there. But there's one leaning on the Lord. John. Says whom Jesus loved. Simon Peter therefore beckoned to him. Now we don't know how Simon got John's attention. But somehow, Peter got John's attention that he should ask who it should be of whom he spake. Who's you talking about? Then lying on Jesus' breath saith unto him, Lord, who is it? Lord, who is it that's going to deny you? Look at John 19. John 19, verse 26. Jesus is hanging on the cross. When Jesus therefore saw His mother and the disciples standing by whom He loved, He saith unto His mother, Woman, behold thy son. Then saith he to the disciple, Behold thy mother. Here Jesus is dying. None of his brothers are believers at this time. Jesus did not commit the care of his mother to any of his brothers or sister, but to John. See the intimacy? See the closeness of John? You see this Boangernes, this son of thunder, has now taken on a beloved son whom our Lord could entrust His mother. One that has come to love the Lord and lean on His breast. This is our John of whom we are talking. We find that after our Lord was risen from the grave, And it was announced that he had risen from the grave. Peter and John run to the grave. And who gets there first? 
John. Let's read it in John chapter 20. John chapter 20. Then she, that is Mary Magdalene, we did, we, you'll see that in verse 1. Then she runneth and cometh to Simon Peter and to the other disciple whom Jesus loved, that's John, and saith unto him, to them, They have taken away the Lord out of the sepulchre, and we know not where they have laid him. Peter therefore went and that other disciple and came to the sepulchre. So they ran both together. Can you imagine it? Can you imagine it? Wouldn't you run? Wouldn't you want to be excited? If someone told you that your kinfolk whom you've seen buried risen from the grave? Where would be the first place you would go? To the cemetery. See what's going on. You said, well, I don't know whether I go to the cemetery or not. The grave might not be open. Well, they knew this grave was because verse 1 tells us that Mary came and said that the stone was rolled away. So they ran. They both ran together. And the other disciple, this is verse 4, did outrun Peter. John ran faster than Peter and came first to the sepulcher. And he stooping down and looked in, looking in, saw the linen clothes lying, yet he went not in. Then cometh Simon Peter following him, and he went into the sepulcher and seeth the linen clothes lie, and the napkin that was about his head, not lying with the linen clothes, but wrapped together in a place by itself. Then went in that other, went in also that other disciple, which came first to the sepulcher, and he saw and believed. I know not whether what I saw was this exact sepulchre or not when I was there in 1970. But I can still see in my mind's eye as I too looked in and was able to step in and look to the right where there was a place that was carved out for a body. Because to the left, that side was not yet finished. I could imagine Peter and John coming to a place like that and looking in. Of course, I didn't see any grave clothes, nor did I see any napkin but John tells us what he did see. He saw the linen clothes. And he saw the napkin that was about his head, not with the linen clothes, <coughs> but it was wrapped together in a separate place. Would we, have, would we know about this if it were not for John? He's the only one that tells us with such detail. And then we see a little bit more of the intimacy. You see, in, in Luke 24, it only mentions Peter. In Mark chapter 16, it says the women were told, go, were told to go and tell Peter and the disciples of the resurrection. But it's in John that we see that Peter and John come. Allow me to give you a few more 
observations of John. He was assumed to be alive when the Lord returned. Look at John chapter 21. John chapter 21. I'm not going to take the time to read about the Lord asking Peter three times if you love me and the Lord telling Peter what to do. But let's pick up in verse 20. Then Peter turning about seeth the disciple whom Jesus loved following. This is John again. Which also leaned on his breast at supper and said, Lord, which is he that betrayeth thee? Peter seeth him, saith to Jesus, Lord, what shall this man do? See, the Lord had told Peter to feed his sheep and feed his lambs and pasture his sheep and so on. Then Peter said, Lord, if I'm supposed to, what, what's John going to do? What do you want John to do? <coughs> Jesus said unto him, If I will that he tarry till I come, what is that to thee? Follow thou me. In other words, Jesus said, Peter, if I just want John to sit down and do nothing till I come, what's that to you? You do what I told you to do. Well, we could get several lessons out of that one, but we'll go on. But notice this in verse 23. Then went this saying abroad among the brethren that that disciple should not die. See, they misinterpreted. They thought he's they thought Jesus was saying that John was going to die till the Lord returned. Yet Jesus did not say to him, He shall not die. But if I will that he tarry till I come, what is that to thee? And then notice verse 24. This is the disciple which testify of these things and wrote these things, and we know that his testimony is true. In other words, the disciple that wrote the book of John is the disciple that was being talked about all along as the one that leaned on Jesus' breast and the one whom Jesus loved. And everybody thought that he was going to be alive when the Lord returned. Well, as far as we know, if the history of Christianity <clears throat> that we know is true, John was the last apostle to die. And it's believed that he was in his 90s easily when he did die. But he died. He died. John also was in the forefront of evangelism. Look in Acts chapter 3. This is after the day of Pentecost. Now Peter and John went up together into the temple at the ninth hour being, I mean, excuse me, at the hour of prayer being the ninth hour, the three o'clock in the afternoon. And a certain man, lame from his mother's womb, was carried, whom they had laid daily at the gate of the temple, which is called Beautiful, to ask alms of them that entered into the temple. Who, seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, asking alms, and Peter fastening his eyes upon him with John, said, Look on us, and so on and so forth, and they preached the gospel to him. You can see that John is in the forefront of evangelism. In Acts chapter 4, <clears throat> in verse 13, we see that John was one of those that were bold. 
and was uneducated. Acts 4.13 Now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were unlearned and ignorant men, they marveled and took knowledge of them that they had been with Jesus. Dropping down in verse 19 of the same chapter. But Peter and John answered and said unto them, Whether it be right in the sight of God to hearken unto you more than unto God, judge you. For we cannot but speak the things which we have heard, uh, have seen and heard. So when they have further threatened them, they let them go, finding nothing how they might punish them because of the people. For all men glorify God for that which was done. They were bold. Look in Acts chapter 5. Verse 29. Then Peter and the other apostles, John was there, and you go back and study and you'll see that, uh, answered and said, We ought to obey God rather than man. John was a bold man. And he was involved in evangelism. But he would not compromise the gospel. And he suffered for the cause of Christ. You know, they said there in verse 29, we ought to obey God rather than man. Then drop down to verse 40. Acts 5, 40. And to him they agreed. And when they had called the apostles and beaten them, they commanded that they should not speak in the name of Jesus and let them go. And they departed. John being in there with them, from the presence of the council, rejoiced that they were counted worthy to suffer shame for his name. And daily in the temple and in every place and every house, they ceased not to teach and preach Jesus Christ. And we know that in Revelation chapter 1, when we went through the book of Revelation, there in verse 9 it said, John said, I, John, who also am your brother and companion in tribulation and in the kingdom and patience of Jesus Christ, was in the isle that is called Patmos for the word of God and for the testimony of Jesus Christ. So John, uh, among other things, he suffered for the cause of Christ. And then when we were preaching through the book of Galatians, what did we find out about John there? He was one of the pillars of the congregation. Look in Galatians chapter 2 and verse 9. And when James and Cephas and John, who seemed to be pillars, perceived the grace that was given unto me, they gave to me and Barnabas the right hands of fellowship, and so on. But notice, they were pillars in the congregation of Jerusalem. John was one of those pillars. And as we pointed out and said this morning, you'll see this in Acts chapter 12 and verse 2, that uh, uh, his brother James was the first of the apostles to be martyred, where Herod uh, cut James's head off. Oh, I forgot, and let's turn back to Acts chapter 8. James and John, they were pillars in the congregation, but in Acts chapter 8, in verse 14, Now when the apostles which were at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent unto them Peter and John. Special men of unique character and quality to be used in a particular way. He also wrote the Gospel of John and the book of Revelation and first and, uh, and second and third John. And one last observation uh, probably could have given more but I think I've given you quite a bit to think about to think about concerning the Apostle John, the writer of this book of First John. Among other visions in Revelation, John saw 
the holy city, the new Jerusalem. Look at Revelation 21. Revelation 21. I'll start at verse 1. And I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth were passed away and there was no more sea. And I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride adorned for her Husband. The holy city. The new Jerusalem. A place of joy place of contentment but beloved we too shall someday see the holy city the new Jerusalem listen to what John said in the gospel chapter 14 and verse 2 you know it well And I almost quoted it, and then I forgot it, so i got to turn there and read it. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. The holy city has many abiding places. Many abiding places. And as we shall see a little bit later when we come to the third chapter of 1 John, as we have said it many times, you've heard us say it many times in prayers, 1 John 3, 2, Beloved, now are we the sons of God, and it doth not yet appear what we shall be. But we know that when He shall appear, We shall be like Him, for we shall see Him as He is. Beloved, this is that John of whom we speak that is the writer of this epistle. And we'll conclude with that. We've got a few more things about the introduction of of this epistle. But this concludes our study about the author, John. I thought it good to give a few details that you might better appreciate this author. A fisherman by trade, kinsman of the high priestly family, cousins, a cousin of our Lord, unlearned, educationally wise, but a very intellectual man. Somewhat opinionated in his beginning, hot-tempered, loved the preeminence, and yet this is the man 
that writes, My little children, that writes in a loving, fatherly way, and yet straightforward. This is the man that our Lord ordained to write this epistle, who is often called the Apostle of Love. The Apostle of Love. Well, like I said, I hope this may have given you uh, a better appreciation for John the Apostle the brother of James, the last martyr of the apostles. And the one that writes to us that we might have the fellowship that he had with Christ, the Word. Let's pray. Father, We are astounded at how you take vessels of clay and turn them into ambassadors for Christ. A persecuting Paul, an impetuous Peter, a hot-headed John, a man that desired preeminence and prominence, a man much like us. And in sovereign mercy, pour out Your grace upon such a one and begins in this life conforming them to the likeness of Thy darling Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. O oh God, when we look at ourselves, we see so little. And yet, if there be anything of any redeeming quality, it is of Your grace. Thanks be unto You for Your unsearchable riches that is found in the Lord Jesus Christ, our Redeemer in whom we pray. Amen.